Welcome to the Epic Angels podcast. Every episode, we put the spotlight on one of our portfolio startups. My name is Mikey. And my name is Hester. After the conversation with the founder, Mikey and I will have a conversation together with one of our Epic Angels to reflect on this investment. Today, we are speaking with Natalie and Jean, who are building Lighthouse, a smart data layer for security systems that provides 99% accuracy in detection of real-time threats, solving the problem for property owners who traditionally have to rely on inefficient private security companies and unresponsive public services. Natalie and Jean, they met each other at Entrepreneur First in Singapore in 2019 when they started Lighthouse. Natalie and Jean, welcome. Pleasure to have you. Thank you. Lovely. Thank you very much. Great. Can you start with a short introduction of yourself? Certainly. So obviously I'm, I'm Natalie. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Lighthouse. A little bit about me. Spent several years in Singapore working in early stage startups, but all with a deep tech and an impact focus. Doing everything from copywriting to product development to business development. And actually, for my work in impact technology, I was one of 100 women voted for the United Nations She Innovates Award in 2019. Realized that if you could bring these two things together, what a passionate way to spend your career. And actually took all these learnings from these previous companies and applied to EF, which is where I met John. Yeah, is that easy to me? I'm John, I'm CTO and co-founder of I'm the South African half of the co-founding team. So a bit about my background is I'm a, I'm a hacker, full-stack engineer, and machine learning expert. I did some cool things in the machine learning space that actually got me noticed by Google DeepMind, who then flew me to Kenya to tutor those 500 postgrads on the fundamentals of machine learning. In a past life, I worked as a software engineer at one of the largest fintechs out of Africa, called the corporate bank workflow tool that moved millions across different banks in Africa daily. And that was cool because I learned how to make tech that can't break, because if it does, it's, you know, my ass on the line. So that was fun. And more critically, the origin story of Lighthouse, which sure we'll get into later, I come from a family of small business owners in South Africa who, unfortunately for them, are frequent victims of, of, of crime. Yeah, right. And that is how Lighthouse began. In 2018, you had a frightening experience involving your family. What happened? Yeah, yeah. So I was still working at that FinTech and in 2018, my dad got robbed for the 37th time. At that point, it was an armed robbery. It was a Tuesday afternoon. Guy walks in, gun point blank, aims it at my dad goes, locks up the doors, takes my dad to the back room with the customers. And uh, we watched this footage six months later with the police because that's how it works. And uh, I was absolutely blown away because you can clearly see that this guy needs help, right? There's a gun clearly brandished. Why is business closing at 2 p.m. on Tuesday? And on top of that, my dad had heavily invested in the security infrastructure. He had 16 cameras, several laser trip wires, and two panic buttons. And yet despite all of that, and a subscription to security service was actually come and help him in an emergency. And despite all of that, Nothing happened, right? He, the guy took everything my dad had in there. He was key in the end. Yeah, 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 100%. But I, I was looking at that and I was like, okay, I've done enough work making the banks rich. I want to actually solve this problem that he's solving. So I quit my job then and then actually started working on what was a weapon detector. So I built this little script that would do 5,000 images of guns from the internet and labeled all of those images and then trained an AI to identify weapons in real time, the video of the Put that up in my cousin's store and unfortunately for him, but fortunately for me, he got robbed and my software actually detected the weather. That was good enough for me to apply to Entrepreneur First in Singapore, which is where I met Natalie. From there, we did deep dive into the security space in general. And we realized that you can't necessarily sell weapon detection to control weapons because they've got much bigger problems to solve. 
That is namely the 99% fault alarm rate of the birds coming into the control room. So we were like, let's get rid of all these fault alarms first. Make sure these, are, these control rooms are whisper quiet and operators are only dealing with meaningful alerts. And once we have that, then we can start layering in the more advanced analytics. And uh, yeah, that's the history of Lighthouse. That's amazing. The bottleneck is the quality of the data, as I understand from you. It is the data that all these security people are looking at 24 hours a day, where 23 hours of that 24 is idle time looking at fragmented, low-quality data. They're not sure what exactly is happening. Probably it is nothing until it is something. And yeah. people are paying those services too. I mean, they buy the cameras, they buy all these sensors, but all those different systems are feeding into different softwares viewed by different people. So there's nothing actually bringing them together. And so as you rightly said, they waste 23 hours per day per control room dealing with nuisance alarms equals 90% of alarms not being responded to in time. So yeah. you have this huge bottleneck. Whereas if you can actually make one operator do the job of 10 people, and now make them laser focused on actually the right alerts. The side owners who are paying for security, people like Jean's dad, actually get the security that they need to be safe. And the security control can have a business with a better margin than 3%. That's where Lighthouse can really slot in and actually make that business profitable and make security worth buying. Yeah. I just want to add on. So when we say nuisance alerts, just so that you understand what's actually going on there, we went into these control rooms and quite literally you'll see five different operators, each cabin between 15 or 16 different platforms that monitor different sensors. And with each of them is just garbage coming in. So a relevant lighthouse on the camera monitoring stations. These people are just looking at bushes moving or shadows moving or a dog running across the, the frame, which is just, it, it's garbage, right? And all that adds up to 23 wasted hours per day. And the way lighthouse slots in here is we get rid of all that noise and have people only looking, they only receive alerts that were generated by a human or vehicle or something of interest. Um, and since then, we believe advanced analytics and actually do a lot more interesting stuff, but that's the central idea. Get rid of the noise and have the operators only work with meetings later. So now the million dollar question is, how do you get rid of that noise? Yeah, so the, the dirty secret is that uh, my brother just looks at all the video feeds and like hand that is able to identify the exact object in the exact frame at the time of interest. So specifically how it works is we onboard a camera to the system and how we connect to this camera is what makes us camera agnostic. We put any of the cameras in the market by using this public protocol. We connect to the camera and then our AR model sits on top of that camera feed and processes the frames. Once our AR model sees cool, here's a person in this region of the screen that the user has indicated is, is important. Then we generate the alert, we trigger the alert. And our average latency between the person actually being there and breaking the rule and the alert being generated is about 0.2 seconds for the time it takes to blink your eye. So the person crosses the threshold, we generate the alert, we give that to the operator as a snapshot, and then 10 seconds later, 10 second video clip is generated for the operator to see exactly what's taking place. We do a couple of things more sophisticated than that. So for example, if you have a site multiple cameras and the guy goes from camera A to camera B to camera C, instead of triggering three separate alerts for what's obviously the same event, the system is smart enough to automatically group these alerts together into one single alert. And this has a huge impact on the throughput of the operators. And by throughput, I mean how many alerts can an operator deal with daily? Because now instead of them having to, to manage or dismiss three individual alerts, they do it all in one click. That's three done in one click or five done in one click or, or however the, the, the grouping has taken place. But yeah. then, uh, these security officers who are hired by property owners, 
How are they trained? Because they have been doing this work for maybe five to 10 years. They know how it's done. They sit in their control room, know that 23 hours they can just snooze away or be on social media. But now they're dealing with lighthouse data. How do they know that they actually have to react as soon as they get an alert? We actually give operator reports. So we know every single user, what is their average time to report? who's overperforming, not actually looking at alerts and dismissed, who is, you know, spending too long looking at alerts. But more fundamentally, a security company is a business and they're trying to move away from a huge reliance on manpower. Manpower is getting more expensive. You have to train, equip, sure, grow these personnel control rooms to actually grow your business. And in the end, there's an enormous churn rate because quite frankly, it's not the best job in the world, right? So what we're trying to do is actually make the job of the operator better, enable them to actually, you know, see the right things in the right time and know exactly their own protocols to be able to deal with that event. And more than that, we're in actually involving the site owner in the process, who usually is completely blind to everything that's going on in the control room. They pay their monthly subscription. They have no idea what's going on. With Lighthouse, the site owner also gets the alerts. They also get visibility. They know their family's safe while they're in the office at work, working late. And so by giving this full visibility, this audit trail and better alerts, the security control room has a real business. And the security companies who are not becoming more tech-enabled and more efficient, they're falling by the wayside. Leveraging manpower to scale just doesn't work. Just to add on that, because now actually touched on two of our key differentiators. The one being, and to have a better understanding of who these security officers are, these operators are, these are people that don't even have high school education. Right. And all these markets, they try to minimize the operating costs as much as possible to maximize their profit margins. So it's super duper important that we have a system that is easy to use and intuitive for anybody. And as a testament to that, we are one of the only solutions in the market where our customers onboard themselves. It's not unheard of for people to refer to their vendors to onboard their cameras, onboard their sites and configure everything. Whereas with us, the customers do themselves because we've made it that easy. And then secondly, on involving the site owner in their own security. If you have 3,000 cameras and each camera is generating, let's say, five alerts per day, that's 15,000 alerts. That's a heck of a lot of data for an operator to get through. But if I got my house with my three cameras with five alerts per camera, that's 15 alerts. That's nothing. And in fact, I want to work through those alerts. I want to know what's happening at my house. I want to understand it. And it's a way for the security company to demonstrate value to me through the app. But now if I dismiss the alerts within my app, it gets dismissed in the operator stack as well. And that then has a huge impact on the throughput of the operators again, driving up our customers' profit margin. Because now the operator doesn't have to work through 15,000 alerts. You only have to work through 2,000 if the, if the site owners themselves didn't manage themselves. And if the site owner says, hey, I don't know who this guy about my gate is. I have a real situation here. The big red button says escalate. You hit that button, that alert goes straight to the operator, to the top of the operator's stack. So the operator understands, okay, I'm going to forget about everything else for a second. This is confirmed. This is a real situation. Let's go with this one. Got it. Got it. Because that's part of the bottleneck. That's very interesting. So you are reducing the reliance on manpower while actually also saving lives. So it's important that this is scalable and can grow. How is your solution so scalable? Yeah, we actually tap into any camera, any make, any model. And we did the really hard part is being able to pull the raw video feed from any camera and connect it to Lighthouse in just a couple of steps. And in that process, we had to solve the key problems of markets like South Africa, which is bandwidth challenges, price sensitivity, and just the onboarding flow being 
unobtainable for a consumer or a, a homeowner. So in building this infrastructure and making Lighthouse very easy to use and making it meet the right price points, we've actually been able to find a really unique go-to-market strategy through large distribution partners, that's telcos, insurance companies, and that's security integrators. Basically, these huge companies who have enormous pools of customers who are already paying for security services that don't work, they want to be able to monetize them with a security as a service offering, but they don't want to build it themselves. So we can come in and just through a single API, enable them to integrate Lighthouse into their existing products and services. And this does two real key things for us. One, it means Lighthouse is the intelligence layer, the backbone behind this entire infrastructure. And that means that we can continue to build product and continue to develop in line with site owners. But it also means that we don't need to be the front face. We can leverage the support. We can leverage the marketing power, the sales power, all that firepower of our partners without having to expand our team and our operational costs to meet that kind of size. So Lighthouse then becomes a, a plug and play into that infrastructure. And that's what makes us really scalable, not just in the markets we're in now, but to be able to replicate this with the same vertical, with the same partners across different markets. Yeah. And yeah. on the text point on, on how we actually enable that scale, there are three different key pieces of meat where the IP lines. The one is in the UI, right? By having the, the experience be super easy to use, our customers onboard and support themselves. That eliminates a lot of time from myself and the engineering team and the support team to manage our customers. They just manage themselves. The next one is on- How long does it take, yep. does it take for the, the implementation time, the actual implementation time? I mean, we've had customers onboard themselves in two minutes. Like, it's really, really quite easy. We've had some longer ones back when the product wasn't as sophisticated and we've learned a lot from that. So every time we get a piece of customer feedback to say, okay, this person got stuck at this step or they struggled with the step, let's do something about it, let's fix that and then and then enable. So yeah, our fast really onboarding cool. was about two minutes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the other two? Yes. And then the other one is the architecture of our platform. So we're able to deploy Lighthouse virtually anywhere. But it's, we host it in our cloud and that's a managed solution. We can deploy it onto our customer servers or we can even deploy it onto a Raspberry Pi on site. And the third one is the actual AI, the neural network. So you have to wonder, how are we able to process 10 streams on the processing power of something that's just a little bit more powerful than a Raspberry Pi? Or we actually really <laughs> invent something that can do that. And that's and that where the IP and the AI sits. So we're able to do some, we, we've built something on the AI front that is able to handle all those streams on a very, very constrained hardware platform. And if yeah, that, yeah. you add more hardware to it, then you can just see how it scales, right? If you can have 15 streams on what's just a little bit better than a Raspberry Pi, what can we do with the data center? Yeah, exactly. And it's just, this is, you know, the, the access, the bandwidth, the, the scalability, the ease of use, so all the reasons why there hasn't been a solution like this win in the market. This is why the most of solutions from a, a computer vision standpoint are built for enterprise because it's, these are really hard problems to solve. And that's why you have SMEs in South Africa, in the Philippines, South America, not using intelligent, proactive analytic solutions because it's not built for them. It's too hard to use. It's too bandwidth heavy. It's too expensive. And quite frankly, it's too technical. You know, we need to build something that my mom could use. And that's certainly, you know, by creating that, you can tap into the billion cameras that are already on the market. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So your trick is in the really narrow layer, if I can say, that's very rich and very... Exactly. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's very clever. Talking about markets, you're currently your main operation is in South Africa, right? And you're planning to expand to Southeast Asia in 2023. So that is all very exciting. Uh, you currently have pilots running in Philippines and Myanmar, and you have the first partnership signed. So can you tell us a little bit about your traction and what your key milestones are for the coming 12 to 18 months? Absolutely. So for South Africa first, as you mentioned, this was our initial launch market, perfect test bed, because it's not a, if you get robbed, it's a when you get robbed. So to test the product and here we've signed a telco partner as well as several security companies and uh, systems integrators and distributors in the market, giving us about a million dollars in potential ARR just from the signed deals. We have a 80% close rate from our pilots, and that's really the leverage to demonstrate not only product market fit, but how we're going to 10x our revenue by the end of Q2. Through Q1, we're really focusing on some of our top five big partners, closing uh, an insurance company. They're going to target 3.5 million homes in South Africa with the Lighthouse Solution and also onboarding some of the largest systems integrators in the market. But fundamentally, expansion, that's the name of the game. How do we create, how do we replicate this? How do we create the same model in other markets? And that is expanding with really the same strategy that we had in South Africa. That is find the biggest and best partners in the market, provide them a really easy way to deploy this into their customer base and into their products and services, run a pilot, convert them with the minimum order quantity, and then train the team well to begin scaling out those solutions. So we actually have a signed partner in the Caribbean. We're already going live with them now, as well as, as you mentioned, retail chain in Myanmar with about 200 plus retail stores one of the largest systems integrators in the Philippines. So this is really a city by city approach for Southeast Asia rather than a, an entire market by entire market and cherry picking those large partners who can offer us tens of thousands of cameras of scalability with very limited resources and needed to deploy to scale them. Right. And what do you expect to have to do differently in Southeast Asia compared to what you're currently doing in South Africa? So the South African security market is really well established by nature of the high crime. And they've been through all the various developments in technology. You know, the camp first get cameras, first go in with motion detection. By necessity, South Africa is very open to new security technology and they've really been burned quite a few times by systems that just haven't delivered. Now, if you look at the Southeast Asian markets, they're still very manpower focused, actually guard outnumbering police in almost every one of those markets. So what we're going to really focus on these markets is how do we enable these customers to leapfrog from manpower straight to proactive, real-time, you know, next-generation analytics instead of all the steps in between. So from a messaging perspective, it's really being able to tweak and tailor it to that leapfrog and also moving them to these more cloud-based solutions. But there really is a top-down drive from a regulation perspective. In the Philippines, you have to have a CCTV camera to be a, a registered business of a certain size. In Singapore, manpower costs are going up. I mean, there really is a push to remove that reliance on manpower or rather to optimize manpower that's there and be able to have more reporting and more data-driven services. So it really is, it's a tweak of the messaging for those markets, but also by the nature of our model, we leverage the expertise of our partners. These are already their customers. So they have a, a huge role in us being able to, to craft the right message and the right deployment method to be able to scale to the sizes that even they want to reach. I think it's a very strong point that you're making, that you're riding the wave that is already 
being initiated by governments to reduce manpower and security functions. That's a great wind in, in your sails. We have to uh, start rounding off a little. I can talk for hours with you, but I would like to ask about your round. So you're currently fundraising. How much are you raising and how are you planning to use those funds? Sure. So we're raising 600k USD with including the Epic Angels target. We're about 62% closed on that front. Got a number of VCs also in due diligence at the moment. So we're really confident in having the full round closed by the end of the month. Where do the funds go? It goes in two real directions. The one is into customer success and the resources to actually scale these partners. And the other is into the tech. From the resources perspective, we're targeting 80K in MRR by October. To achieve that, we need the resources to scale these big five customers that we already have in the pipeline signed or about to be signed and really being able to train their teams, make sure they're able to execute on the product effectively and grow our accounts at a 30% month-on-month growth rate. That's how we need to get there. We also need to use these account managers to be able to reduce that sales cycle, get that down to just three weeks. On the tech front, the name of the game for the next 12 to 18 months is essentially expanding our service for a tenable market. We have product market fit, people like us, people like the product, but now about how do we get, how do we get Lighthouse ready to deploy into any control room in the world and have a use case for any camera. And uh, for the first part, making us applicable to any control in the world, that's just about increasing our integrations with other control softwares out there. And as I said earlier, get to 16 different pieces of software in the controller. We, we want to whittle that down one by one by one with these integrations. And then on the other side is in expanding our use case. So there's a use case for every camera ever wolf the lighthouse. And we do that by advancing our analytics. So those are the two main names of the game for the next 12 or 18 months on the product side. Super exciting. Thank you very much for sharing all of this and giving your peep in your high-tech kitchen. Yes. Very proud to partner with you. And you have already saved lives with your platform and hopefully impact millions, millions of more. Thank you very Thank you. much. Pleasure nice having you. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Hester. Thank you, Hester. That was super interesting. Now let's hear from the investors what they have to say about this startup. Please remember, we are not a financial advisor. All opinions expressed by Epic Angels are intended as educational and reflect the personal research and experiences of the team. For the top of the investor today, we have Rashmi Rajendran with us. Rashmi is Head of Innovation and R&D for Greater Asia for Rockets, a global leader in plant-based ingredients and pioneer in vegetal proteins. Rashmi has a PhD in physics, but also an MBA from INSEAD. In short, a super all-round and seasoned executive who, next to working on innovative technologies, has a track record as board member and contributor to organizations focused on sustainability and social responsibility by UNICEF and SOS Children's Village. And of course, Reshmi is also an active investor at Epic Angels. Reshmi, great to have you on the call today. Pleasure to be here. Well, that was an exciting conversation to listen to. Huh? Oh, it was. The enthusiasm was fantastic. I mean, I love it when you see founders who are so passionate. And you know, the way they signed off saying, yeah, if you don't want to do good, don't invest in us. I loved it. <laughs> I think they actually said that off camera. They were saying, indeed, if you don't want to save lives, yeah. don't invest. Exactly. And that was yeah where that, that came across. Exactly. I thought that was a very fun statement. Yes. But why, you know, because besides the team and indeed the enthusiasm of the team, and it's, it's also really a team. Yeah. The two of them together. Yeah. I, I love how they interact and how it's balanced. It's really complementary to each other. What else excites you about Lighthouse? 
Yeah, so it was interesting, right? Because when I came into Lighthouse, it was one of those startups that was addressing a problem that I didn't know existed. I mean, especially living in Singapore, you hardly ever think of security systems. Maybe I shouldn't be saying this on air, but our security system here is not switched on at all. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I got the guy to install it because I live right next to the nature of the servants. Oh, you should have a security system. And then I, of course, Singapore, right? So it was one of those problems that was like a real eye-opener to me. I had lived in the Philippines a long time ago, and it brought back memories of the gated community that we lived in, where because they felt security systems were not good enough as a protection mechanism, we actually had a watchtower, like you see in the movies, with guards sitting on top of it. So we actually had people sitting there looking around the perimeter walls 24-7. So that's the memory wow. it brought back. And the fact that in this day and age, it's a real problem. So then, of course, the next question was, if it's not working, and they spoke about all these false results they have, what's the alternative? When you look at any startup, you say, okay, this is a gap they're trying to address. What's the alternative? And what appealed to me was that instead of coming up with a whole new solution from scratch, they just wrote on the infrastructure that existed and said, let's just put a layer on top that works with most cameras, that works everywhere, that works either on the cloud or locally, that can partner with any hardware that's there. And to me, that was the trigger point. I mean, how do you ride on this and just build something and use your proprietary algorithm to do the work that really matters without worrying about, okay, how's, how's the interface going to look like? How's the hardware going to look like? How are we going to connect? Right? So for me, I think that was essentially the trigger point that said, oh, that's smart. And not only the fact that it can be integrated with all those systems and cameras, but also the simplicity of that integration. Yeah, exactly. The way they just explain it. Yeah. That's just insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's really mm -hmm. smart with just an API. Yeah. And that is so simple. And, and the implementation is also very, very quick and easy to use. So they have this, the cloud solution and the low bandwidth solution. Yeah. So the cloud solution is is of course takes more data, which is not always suitable for their end users who are also the small and medium enterprise owners. So they, they are really keen on having this low price point, whereas they have full security. So their low bandwidth solution, I think is a really smart option that they have in their offering and very suitable for the markets that they currently in, but also want to scale into. I also think the other element that's super strong is their whole go-to-market strategy. Exactly, exactly. That's, yes. that's the other part, right? Because it's almost like their customers are just sitting there waiting for them to come with insurance companies, telcos, partners. And what's interesting is the scale of the customers, right? That they would go to. And again, it's a thing, right? Just like riding on the infrastructure, they're riding on the scale of these partners so that then becomes like you get one or two good customers and you've got enough traction in a market because usually with people like systems integrators or telcos, they usually one or two big players in, in the market. So yeah. going through these channel distributors, I think, I think really smart. It is. It's just fabulous indeed. And they seem to be pretty all round and seem to have a good network already on a larger scale. It's definitely beyond South Africa. Registered here in Singapore as well. That's where they are incorporated yeah. as a legal entity, which for us as investors is always one thing that we're looking into as well. And I think also looking at the partnerships that they already have signed and the ones that are currently in the pipeline yeah. uh, with attraction that I'm looking for, I think that that's really good. What is also their 
unfair advantages that you can see as well? What really makes them unique? When I looked at their pitch deck, the next question I had was, okay, so what's their competition? And they have this diagram, like a Venn diagram, which says this is what the different competitors would do and affordability and technology and things like that. So I think their advantage is exactly what the Venn diagram states, that they sit there hitting the sweet spot. They're really in the sweet spot of affordability and technology. Plus, I think the other factor is that they have a technology for the AI learning that they use for the So I think those two put together, the fact that they cover all these aspects, sit in the sweet spot, plus that they have a proprietary video algorithm that they can use along with machine learning or AI. It really, really puts them in a very strong position. I personally always index on the founders because we focus on early stage. Usually they're still finding product market fit. And Lighthouse has found this product market fit in their current market. But I mean, the founders are key. And what I love about Jean is how, what proves his hustler mindset. And then I really believe he has the grit to pull this through is how he started this company. He downloaded 5,000 images of weapons from the internet and he labeled them manually one by one. And this is how he trained his first model, which put him into entrepreneur first. And that was the beginning. It just shows his mindset and his attitude. And that is what I'm looking for in a founder. This this hustling, hacking, literally and figuratively in this example, which I found really strong. That gives me a lot of faith in the team. What I also see as a big USP is that not only does their tech seem to be amazing, but they look beyond the tech. They really understand the customer journey of the owner of the property where the cameras are, but the security company as well. Because every time when we speak with them, they have another real story on the situation, what happened. Oh my God, but we had a conversation with one of the the security companies that we're working with and they told us this and this and this. And they really keep on learning from all that feedback and keep on improving on that. I think that makes them really super strong indeed on like whatever is going to happen going forward, that they're agile, that they have their eyes and ears open to adjust. And to come up with the product that's really needed into the market. Couldn't agree more. And when you invest in a startup, you are looking as much into the energy of the founders and as much as the capability and the technology and what they're bringing to market, because all of us know how often these startups have to pivot. So definitely. And what do we think about the exit potential? The most obvious one seems to be one of these partners acquiring them because it makes sense. And it's interesting because in that scenario, what I was thinking about was to a partner, like a telco, it makes perfect sense to acquire them. But to them, does it really make sense to um, exit that way, right? I really don't know if with this company, it's one of those technologies that should be looking to exit early stage or should actually be building up and becoming the next Apple or Google. (laughs) Yeah. There's a nice comparable in the market where Motorola bought Calypso mm-hmm. uh, and Calypso was at the point where Lighthouse plans to be in 2025. So then that was interesting for Motorola to take over. Yeah, that's a good data point as well. I think it's those partners, but it could also indeed be those camera manufacturers and that you're looking into that whole ecosystem or maybe even the Googles of this world. Why not? Yeah. Why not? If- but yeah. the models that they're building, they're right now they're really using it for detection for anything awful that's happening somewhere. Yeah. But I think you can probably use those models as well in other situations. 
Mm-hmm. So what else could you be doing with that? The market is definitely growing. The security market is going to be 35 billion by 2030. And indeed, as Natalie was already saying, these governments are really steering for reducing the manpower in security positions just for the risk that they're running. Yeah. So there's great tailwinds in for them. So I personally hope they continue to build for a little while yeah. before they do exit. I couldn't agree more because to me, it seems that there's a lot of potential to build and see where the market's evolving at this moment. Yeah, absolutely. Now it's going to be a very exciting journey that this team has ahead of them. And for us as investors, yeah. of course, as well. What really excites me too is that Cocoon Capital is on board. I personally really appreciate the way they work because they actually really dedicate time to help founders grow great companies. They have a great track record and we're really looking forward to working alongside them to make Lighthouse a success. I know we're all super excited about Lighthouse, but as with every company, there is always risks and challenges that a company is facing. What do you see are the main ones for Lighthouse? You know how we do personality tests and say that our strengths are also our biggest weaknesses. I'm super excited to see how they would do in the new markets. The fact that it's the biggest exciting factor also makes it the biggest risk, right? If they cannot translate and if what worked with their algorithm in the South African market is not translatable to the Southeast Asian market, it then means that it immediately changes the size of the market that we're looking at while evaluating them. This was one of the points that we dug a little deeper into as to how moving from South Africa to an Asian market, how would the data analytics and the video analytics work? And the clarity that was brought to us about really using local data sets to train the AI was key. So seeing the results of that and seeing how they perform in that new market, to me, would be super interesting because... That was the point at which I thought a little bit, you know, yes, scalable, yes, but translatable, is it translatable, right? So that's what I would like to see, how they translate to a completely different market. Absolutely. They have proven their tech, they have proven their product market fit in South Africa, but South Africa is not Southeast Asia. What they said when we probed them on this is that Indonesia and Philippines seem to be the most comparable markets now. So this is where they target. And as they say, they start small with their scaling. So city by city approach which is smart in terms of training your data and learning how this region works for their solution. And again, I have full faith in the team just by how far they've come and how they have approached building this solution, which is very strong in terms of IP. So I'm sure they will master that challenge as well. Yes, this is super exciting. Thank you, Reshmi and Hester, for sharing your insights about Lighthouse. Can't wait to see what the future will bring for it. We hope you enjoyed looking behind the scenes. The objective of this podcast is to demystify angel investing and to share insights so you can learn more about the world of venture capital. Interested to see if you can become an angel investor yourself? Contact us via info at epicangelnetwork.com or go to our website, epicangelnetwork.com.